Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, my God. It's the episode we've all been waiting for. In defense of the Big 12, Brad Kellner in Austin, Texas, Tyler McComas in Norman, Oklahoma, and let me go ahead and change my camera angle up here. Let's get a little Grant Calcaterra oh, action. Come on. Background the day. Hmm. Are they showing the pass interference? Are they showing Calcaterra <laughs> grabbing the DB's arm there? Are they I'm, showing the egregious officiating in that game because the Big 12 wanted to get a team in the college football playoff? Did that make that picture, Tyler? Okay, there we go, right there. I'm just going to leave that oh, for the remainder of the show as BK has his Texas hat on today. But Come on, man. So OU Texas weekend. Hey, I'm saying OU Texas all this week because that's what the head coach at Texas says nowadays. Nice tweet, by the way, that went viral earlier I, this week. Good I appreciate job. that. Yeah, I wish I didn't have to, right? Usually I enjoy a tweet going viral, but this is one that I hated to post. And I knew the Oklahoma mods north of the Red River would have some fun with this one. How much fun have you guys had with Tom Herman's verbal gaffe on Monday? Oh, I mean, it's it's been it's been glorious. And then the video that was released by oh. Texas football yesterday. What what was that, dude? Yeah, thankfully they deleted it. I think it was Tuesday night they dropped that video. The official Twitter account of Texas football, they posted like a 30-second hype video in which, yeah, twice in that 30 seconds worth of clip, they had Tom Herman getting the name of the rivalry game wrong. Just embarrassing, man. And it's a microcosm of this program right now. It's shooting yourself in the foot and it's a lack of attention to detail. And apparently it goes beyond the coaching staff. It goes beyond the players. It also affects the social media team at the University of Texas as well. But yeah, just a, a really, really bad week. And uh, it, it's it's just piling on, man. It's salt in the wound yeah. around these parts right now. So I, I think that there's a lot of similarities with the two programs right now and the frustration with the fan bases. And I've been listening to you guys a lot in Austin throughout this week, and it's echoed the same sentiments of our listeners in Norman. It's that people are tired, man. Fans around here are tired of all this social media fluff and all this social media crap, right? Like it's, yeah, you're this expert marketer, but that's what it is, man. It's all fluff. It's not reality, and there's no real substance to it. It's like you... You tweet out how great and everything is, and it's all rainbows and everything's fine, but then you go out there and get your ass kicked a couple times already before you even play the game. So it sounds like both OU and Texas fans, though OU and Texas do a good job of marketing themselves on Twitter, 
fans are tired of, of all that crap and reading it every single week. Yeah, and Texas fans have been dealing with it for 10 years, Tyler. So, you know, this is new <laughs> territory for Oklahoma, or at least it's been a while, right? I guess since yeah. the 8-5 and five season in 2014, uh, uh, things have gone pretty well up there, but Longhorn fans are used to this right now, or by now, I should say, right? High expectations, a lot of fluff, a lot of great things being said, but on the field on Saturdays in the fall, things aren't going the Longhorns way very often. All right, so join us in the comments section. You got a question about Oklahoma, Texas, or even other Big 12 games. We'll talk TCU, Kansas State, Texas Tech, Iowa State for sure. But come on, this is a big one. And don't we have to effectively say that it definitely for Oklahoma, maybe for Texas, but I just feel like the loser is out of Big 12 title considerations here. Yeah, I mean, for Oklahoma, definitely, right? I mean, as bad as this conference is this year, I don't think you can have three losses and expect to get to Arlington. Now, I don't know if there's going to be an undefeated team. And hell, I don't know if there's going to be a one-loss team in this league this year with all the parity seemingly going across the Big 12 right now. But, man, I I think there's going to be at least two teams that finish with two losses or less this year. So I think this is definitely an elimination game for Oklahoma, which is crazy to think about. I mean, even if you – didn't pick the Sooners to win the conference this year. Uh, The fact that they might not be able to even make it to Jerry World in December. And hell, the fact that they might know that fate on October 10th at like 3 p.m. Well, it's a Big 12 game, so probably 5 p.m. is a little bit closer to when this game is going to end at the Cotton Bowl on Saturday. But the fact that second weekend of October, we might know that the five-time defending Big 12 champs won't even make it to the Big 12 championship game is pretty remarkable. And then, yeah, for Texas, I mean, you know, technically they could lose this game and still have a shot, but, God, if they lose this game, if they lose back-to-back games to TCU and to this Oklahoma squad, then there's no way you can picture Texas running the table the rest of the way in the Big 12. So more of an elimination game for Oklahoma in terms of the standings, but if the Longhorns drop this game, it sure as hell is going to feel like they're not going to make their way up to Jerry World. It still doesn't feel like in a real OU Texas week for several reasons. I mean, obviously with COVID and everything that's going on, but the fact that it doesn't feel like either fan base likes their chances of winning. And and I'm speaking for the Oklahoma fan base right now, but everybody's so jaded right now saying, ah, we're just going to, we're going to get destroyed by, by Texas. You know, normally this week is optimism. We're going to win. We're going to beat your ass. Here's, here's some Texas jokes. Here's some OU jokes clowning on each other, but it's like everybody's too scared or still too mad from last week to even like fire off an OU or Texas joke this year. It just, yeah. it's, so, it's so lame, man. That, that's a huge part of it. And obviously the lack of people making the trip to Dallas is a huge part of it as well. I mean, you never have to question the motivation, the juice when you're talking Texas OU, but this year it's actually been a question, right? Tom Herman was asked about it. Lincoln Riley was asked about it. Players on both sides have been asked about it just the motivation level and without the normal atmosphere you're going to get at the Cotton Bowl. And of course, with the fact that these two teams are combined one and three in conference play right now, and it doesn't feel like there's as much to play for in terms of the grand scheme of things. Now, this is still one of the best rivalries in all of sports, so that should be enough motivation right there. But, you know, the the playoff picture for Oklahoma and the conference championship picture for these teams might not be as big this year as it has been in years past. And when's the last time I saw this stat earlier? I'm hoping you have it off the top of your head. I'm doing a little Google search stall while I talk here. When's the last time Texas and Oklahoma are coming off a loss going into this game? 2014. There you go. Thank you. So it's been a while there. 
brought up the stat on Monday. This is the first time since 99 that neither squad has been ranked in the top 20. So you've got something like that going on. Of course, Oklahoma has lost back-to-back regular season games for the first time since the last century as well. So yeah, you combine the pandemic, the lack of atmosphere, and the lack of quality play with these two teams. And I think you said it right, Tyler. Like usually, you know, teams, uh, these two fan bases are looking for reasons for why they're going to win this game. This year, it's like, well, how the hell are we not going to blow this game? You know, it, the first time I ever went to OU Texas was 2003. And I remember my dad paying $300 a piece for those tickets. And now, I mean, on StubHub, if you want to get in the stadium, it's you're probably looking at like 175, 200 on StubHub. You can find right now, even with a limited capacity, tickets are around $100 for this game. Go look on StubHub right now. I say lowest is like $95. Are you freaking kidding me? That's bizarre. I mean, do you think that's more of a pandemic thing, or do you think that's uh, these two teams just aren't that good? So this game doesn't mean as much. I think that it's like all those reasons plus, and you can relate to this. Both of us can. A lot of people go down to Dallas, OU and Texas fans, because that's the weekend. There's the parties there. If nothing else, you're going to have a great time on Friday night and even Saturday night as well, You know, regardless of how the game goes. But the party's not going to be there this year. Yeah. Like I, I'm actually I'm going to the football game this year, and a lot of people that I know are coming in late Friday and leaving Saturday right after the game. That's not how OU fan does it. OU fan leaves Friday morning and hangs out all weekend and leaves Sunday morning. It's like yeah. the ultimate weekend, but you don't even have that this year. So really all the luster of this thing is is just gone from a fan's standpoint. That's a great point. And in terms of ticket sales, right, I'm sure there's a lot of folks who come down from Norman or come up from Austin who are like, ah, I'm not going to go to the game. I'm just going to go for the weekend. I'm going to be a part of the atmosphere in the Metroplex. And then they get there and they're like, oh, my God, I have to go. Yeah. I have to go. Everybody else is going to this game. I have to be a part of this. I'm going to buy tickets last minute. I don't care how much I have to pay. I have to be in the Cotton Bowl. I don't think you're going to have that as much this year. And, God, I'm not going. It sucks, man. I'm not going for the first time in eight years. actually had a ticket presented my way, but, you know, money talks. Money always talks in the business that we're in. Hell, money mm-hmm. talks in every business that anybody is in. But this year especially, we uh, we got this watch party deal in Austin because so many people are uh, are hanging back. So, I'm not even making the trek, which feels sacrilegious, but that's uh, another sign of the times with what's going on with the world right now. All right. What, what about this actual football game? We'll get to some of these comments coming up here in a minute. Um, I, it's the old stat. Whoever win, runs the ball better in this game wins. It's like I have to hear that freaking stat 50 times during the week. <laughs> I, I, it, okay. It's just my annoyance with it because – People act like that's not the case for like every single football game that's almost ever played. Well, whoever runs the ball better and whoever has the least amount of turnovers wins. Yeah. Well, okay. Oh, well, I'm great that I'm, I'm glad that that only applies to the OU Texas game. Right. But if that is the key to Saturday, Sam Ellinger's not going to throw you the football, even though he's done it twice this year, I guess. Um, the one knock on Spencer Rattler is his turnovers. And I think. Texas right now has got the better offensive line. They've got the better core oh. running backs, I think. Oh. I like Texas' chances to run the ball better and not not turn the ball over. Yeah, you know, Tom Herman is 1-3 against Lincoln Riley since taking over at UT in 2017, and I guess those guys took over around the same time. But it's weird. Texas has only turned the ball over one total time in those four games. And that was in the big 12 championship on the picture behind you. So the three games at the cotton bowl between Texas and Oklahoma in the Tom Herman era, 
Texas is one and two, but in those three games, the Longhorns have zero turnovers. So they have been really, really smart with the football in that game. Now, they haven't always been in the Tom Herman era, but for some reason in that game, they generally protect the football, but that hasn't always translated to wins in the Tom Herman era here. So, yeah, I mean, quarterback-wise, you give the edge to Sam Ellinger. And one of the other stats that I think you've probably heard a lot that did not apply last year in this game because first-time starter Jalen Hurts beat experienced returning starter Sam Ellinger in this football game. But returning quarterbacks in the last 18 years are 14-3-1 against first-time starters in this game. I shouldn't say 18 years, 18 matchups. Returning quarterbacks for the Red River Shootout, not just coming back to Texas or coming back to Oklahoma. Guys who have played in this game before are 14-3-1 in terms of, well, I guess the one doesn't make sense, 14-3, and excuse me. I don't know why I'm getting my betting lines in there. In terms of uh, winning this game outright against first-time starters in this game. So that's the advantage on paper that Sam Ellinger would have over Spencer Rattler, but obviously last year, Jalen Hurts had that as a disadvantage, but Oklahoma was able to find a win in this game. Yeah, and of course, the Oklahoma fan this week is saying, well, we don't have a whole lot of confidence if this game is close late and OU needs a late drive to tie it or win it. I mean, and and, and does this football team feel comfortable for OU if they have a late drive, seeing as they've come up short a couple times? Um, Boy, both both teams just kind of mirror each other in a lot of ways. And I know we're bouncing around here quite a bit, but I, I don't see a true number one wide receiver for either team at this point, mm. which is kind of a big deal. Um, Texas has had some good play at wide receiver. OU's had some good play too, but a clear number one hasn't doesn't feel like it's emerged for either team up to this point. Yeah, no, I mean Texas on the outside got worked by the TCU corners, and I think the TCU corners are better than Oklahoma secondary right now, but. I think the two starting cornerbacks for TCU gave up three catches and 23 receiving yards to the Texas wide receivers last week. So, yeah, give some credit to TCU there, but also I think that's a demerit against the Texas wide receivers. And the Longhorns are expecting to get Jordan Whittington back for this football game. Now he's missed the last couple of games. He got hurt in the season opener against UTEP. And, hell, he got hurt in the season opening game last year against Louisiana Tech. So, the knock on that guy has been, can he stay healthy? But he's really, really talented, a five-star recruit a couple of years ago. He's expected to play in some capacity. That should help the Longhorns on the outside. And also Jake Smith, who is the H-wide receiver, the slot receiver for this offense. That's been the best position for Texas the last couple of years in the Tom Herman offense, right? You think of Devin Duvernay and the numbers he put up there last year. You think of Lil Jordan Humphrey and the numbers he put up there 2018. Like Jake Smith and Jordan Whittington are your two H receivers. Those guys should be the best. Jake Smith played for the first time against TCU, so he's been battling injury. And then Jordan Whittington's been battling injury as well. So on Saturday, if those guys are good to go and they're closer to 100%, those should be the dudes for Texas. But you're right, on the outside for the Longhorns, they're not getting a lot of consistent wide receiver play at all. And then for Oklahoma, I mean, y'all's best pass catching weapon, it feels like it's Austin Stogner right now, right? Yeah, no, it, it 100% is, 100%, yeah. And, and for Oklahoma, I mean, you know, it feels like every single year there's a first or second round pick. Hell, maybe multiple first and second round picks on the outside. You think of some of the dudes who have played in this game in years past. It just doesn't feel like they've gotten enough consistent play on the outside right now, which is shocking. I mean, there's so many shocking things about this Oklahoma team. I'm sure from an insider's perspective, but definitely from an outsider's perspective, but one that comes to top of mind is just the lack of wide receiver play this team seems to be getting right now. 
Yeah, um, and the wide receiver play was really bad, really bad Saturday night in Ames. Um, been waiting for Charleston Rambo to emerge. Has not happened yet. Uh, been waiting for – I mean, Marvin Mims has been a surprise at that position, but he was pretty non-existent Saturday nights. Uh, just been waiting for Theo Weiss to emerge as well, and he had a big-time drop on yeah. Saturday, and he just hasn't been uh, that guy as of right now. Um, you can go ahead and pick out which comment we want to read here, and then I'll tell people about LandryFootball.com. Hey, if you're checking out this uh, if you're checking out this podcast, you love football. So high school, college, NFL, free agency, everything's going on right now in the NFL. Maybe Chris Landry even has a hot take on the Tennessee Titans right now. But go check out LandryFootball.com for uh, everything football. Spartan Barton says, what was the best Red River game of all time? There is no way that we will agree on this one. But what do you got? Man, uh, I'm tempted to say 2008, the Colt oh, McCoy. Sam Bradford matchup that, of course, Texas won uh, 45-35, to and the Longhorns got rewarded by being jumped by Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship. It's fair. It's fair. Thanks to old Big 12 rules. That made a hell of a lot of sense. Uh, but for me, in my lifetime, and hell, you ask any old head Longhorn fan. I mean, they'll give you a couple of other games, but that game was a hell of a lot of fun. It had it all. It was a top-five matchup, and the fact that Texas got the win – made it all the better. So for me, I'm going with uh, 2008. But yeah, you're right. I'm sure your answer is vastly different from mine. 2008 sucked because I did a day trip. I left in the morning and came home right after and legitimately like for a split second fell asleep at the wheel in Dallas. Because I mean, that game wears you out. And trying to do a back and forth trip is literally the stupidest thing that you could do (laughs) that weekend. But yeah, OE was ranked number one in the country. And it was just one of those where you just go, you know what? We're going to win. Texas just, they didn't feel like they had that much of a running game that year. Colt McCoy was their running game that year, it felt like. And then OU controlled the game early. Jordan Shipley has the kick return, and that kind of flipped it on its head. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, linebacker for OU, got hurt. They stick in a guy by the name of Brandon Crow, and they wear him out with Jordan Shipley over the middle of that game. So. Colt to Jordan Shipley, the old roommates. Yeah, did you know that? Uh, Those guys live together. I never I, – it's like they never showed that on a broadcast or anything like that, you know? Remarkable, man. And my, uh, the, the, Johnny Manziel and Robert Griffin and all those <laughs> other guys. I'm not sure if you do those things, Tyler. Best Red River game of all time. Most OU fans will say 2001. But how about the 1996 thriller? OU comes in with zero wins. They had <laughs> lost to Tulsa. They had lost to Kansas. They had lost to San Diego State, I believe. They were 0-4, 0-5, and the winless Sooners. John Blake's first ever win at Oklahoma yeah. comes in an overtime game in 1996 against Texas. Wow. Yeah, and the Longhorns went on to win the Big 12 that year, too. Yeah, right. <laughs> that ended up being a great year for Texas, but that one stings. All right, that's a little wild card right there. My dad, who's who's been to every single OU Texas since, I don't know, I think since the game has been played, he said 1996 is the loudest he's ever heard that stadium, at least from the OU side when they won that game. Oh, louder man. than 0-1, louder than DeMarco Murray's little jump that he had. No, so like 1996, loudest he's ever heard it there. So those are your favorite, but you've got a picture of uh, a different game behind yeah, you. you know, old Grant Calcaterra here in the corner of the end zone. Unbelievable. Right Out of all the moments from that game, that's the one? I mean, I guess that's the only... Dude, they had lost to Tulsa and Kansas in the same year, and they somehow beat Texas. No, I mean the, the game behind you. Oh, no. There was just there's just some guy that I work with that like takes pictures of the mm. game, so I just thought, 
Yeah, I don't I have guess, a whole lot of memorabilia here, but I have that, so I thought I'd throw it behind. Yeah, you know? I guess that's the uh, the only one that was for an actual conference title, right? I mean, most yeah. years this game determined who was going to get to the Big 12 championship game, but that was the only actual Big 12 championship game that these two teams have played. So a little extra weight for that one, but I'm glad this one is at the Cotton Bowl. I, I hope that never goes away, right? I, I mean, there's I always agree. talk about moving the game full-time to Jerry World and – that would be a huge bummer, man, because there really is no atmosphere in all of sports like Texas OU. The fans split 50-50 right at the 50-yard line. It's perfect, man. And it's a bucket list thing. I don't know if you've ever done this the other way. And, hell, for, for most of my lifetime, uh, Oklahoma has had the upper hand on Texas, right? I mean, Bob Stoops was damn near dominant against Mac Brown in these games. But one year where it's normal, where it's 100% capacity, where I know Texas is going to win this game, which got him the most pessimistic fan ever. And hell, you guys have seen it because Oklahoma's been a double-digit favorite seemingly oh, God, every yeah. year the last 10 years. Anything can happen in this game. So you think one team is the obvious favorite, the obvious better team on paper, then you get to the Cotton Bowl and all of a sudden the exact opposite happens. But Yeah, then Case McCoy lights you then up. Then Case that's McCoy happens. happens. Yep, happens. that was uh, that's up there for um, me because I was at that game as a student. Uh, good times, man. Um, but yeah, one of these years I want to go in full burn orange garb and sit on the Oklahoma side of the football field and just talk mad trash for the entirety of the game. Haven't done it yet because I haven't been confident enough in Texas finding a win against Oklahoma, but that's like a bucket list thing for me as a sort of extra parts uh, of this football game. Case McCoy, or as some OU fans call him, Lampshade. Nobody mm. will get that joke. It's uh, maybe a little bit dark, but... Uh, oh, man. He's the greatest American hero down here. And I love, what is it, like the a, a massive highlight or a very popular highlight that OU fans will, will show, right? They'll post GIFs oh. or videos I on, know what you're talking of about. Case McCoy getting rocked. It was I don't a flag remember. on that play. There's a flag on the play, number one, and Texas won that game, number two. So, like, all the moments that Oklahoma has to choose from against Texas, especially in recent history, right, because Texas has the upper hand all time, but Oklahoma's been, been the better team in the last couple of decades. All the moments to choose from, you choose a play that was a penalty, and you choose a play that was resulted in a loss, or that resulted in a loss. Come on, Oklahoma. Come on, OU fans. Like, you're just setting yourself up for the butt of some jokes with stuff like that. Do you at least get the lampshade reference? Yeah, I do. Okay, all right. Uh, Spartan Barton's being a jerk. Yes, 96 and 08, we bring it up. Yeah, yeah, yes. Florida won the national championship both of those years. Oh, now here's a question. Would 08 Texas beat 08 Florida? Ooh, what do you think? I'll never know, man. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like Tim Tebow was destined to to win one himself. So there's a part of me that thinks he was going to find a way to get it done. But – it would have been a better game than what Oklahoma gave Florida. That's for damn sure. That's one of the worst national championships of all time, dog. In terms 24 of, 14 was bad. In terms of yeah, in terms of boredom, man. That was uh that was a rough watch. And as a Texas fan, obviously it's like, dude, we we could have been there. So man, it would have been awesome to see Colt versus Tim Tebow. Uh God, I, who knows, man? I mean, there's a part of me that thinks the the 08 Texas offense was more talented and better than the 09 Texas offense that obviously did play for a national championship the following year. So it would have been a hell of a game. It would have been uh, much more intense and probably a little higher scoring than what we got from Florida, Oklahoma. But I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, I feel like I'm losing my Longhorn card by, by not automatically saying Texas would have rolled Florida. But 
It would have been a hell of a contest. Well, OU, every OU fan will take to their grave that if DeMarco Murray doesn't get hurt in the Big 12 championship game, 2008 OU beats 2008 Florida in the national yeah. championship game. So OU came up empty like three times inside the five-yard line. So that's, yeah. that's where that comes from. That's a good point. Um, boy, what, what, what a – I mean, this is the crossroads moment, man, for both OU and, and Texas this year. Do you and Texas fans feel confident – that the right guy is at head coach for this type of crossroads of the season? No, absolutely not. And look, I'm about ready to admit that I was wrong. Now, this season's not over. Texas, I know Longhorn fans don't want to hear it, and Tom Herman was talking about it on Monday in his press conference, and I was rolling my eyes a little bit. But every goal the Longhorns had going into the season is still on the table, so don't close the book on this football team just yet. But – Man, I mean, there's a lot of question about whether or not Tom Herman's the right guy. Hell, there was question going into this year whether or not Tom Herman was the right guy. And then you have the heart, the the crazy game in Lubbock, which Texas obviously found a way to win, but that was not good. Then you had the uh, the heartbreaking result this past weekend against TCU, and it's a lot of the same problems that we've seen from Texas over the last three years. That Tom Herman, he keeps saying they're fixable. He keeps saying they're fixable. Yet we're in year four of this era, and they haven't been fixed right now. So. This is a huge, huge game. I mean, we talk about this being an elimination game for both of these teams, but, man, for Tom Herman to try to win this fan base back, and I don't think a win against Oklahoma really wins this fan base back for Tom Herman. I mean, I really think he has to at least get to Arlington. I would say he has to win it this year because if you're not – we talked about it on Monday. If Tom Herman doesn't win the Big 12 this season with an all-world quarterback at Sam Ellinger and with how down this conference is, when the hell is Tom Herman ever going to win this league? So I think ultimately Tom Herman's got to win the Big 12 this season to really get this fan base back. But, man, if he loses this game on Saturday, anybody who hasn't jumped ship is going to completely jump ship. Because if you can't beat this Oklahoma team, once again, that might mean you're not making it to Arlington, then you're done. Well, Sam Ellinger also had some interesting comments earlier this week, too. He addressed the team on on Sunday, and he was, I mean, basically said, you can clean this up a little bit, too. It's, you know, I you may not like your leader, but I, I want to win. And basically he said, I don't like anybody else that doesn't like to win. I just, did, did that did that come off the right way? Because the, the example we used yesterday, here's Spartan Barton's chance to love on this, is that when Tebow did, his speech, right, mm. it was to the media and not to his own team. Like, to the media, it was all like, I'm going to do everything in my power to try and get this turned around. I'm going to do everything in my power. So do you do you think that it sounded condescending a little bit for Sam Ellinger to stand up in front of his team and almost have the, well, it's you guys that are messing up. Like, I'm, I'm okay. It's, it's all you guys that are messing up here. Well – you know, that that might have been the part that went viral, but the rest of the quote from Sam Ellinger, maybe it was then the follow-up answer, he does take the blame. He's like, look, I'm not separating myself from any of this, right? I did not play that well against TCU. I've got to play a lot better, too. So Sam Ellinger did mention himself as a guy who needs to improve his play. So he didn't completely isolate himself, and it's me doing this, and you guys aren't doing that type of thing. But, yeah, it tells me that there might be a little bit of a divide in the locker room, Tyler. And I think the best cultures – are player-led. I mean, coaching is very important. There's no doubt. But ultimately, players need to be accountable for what they do and the work that they put in, right? Because coaches only have X number of hours that they're allowed to spend with their players every single week. And of course, this year in particular, right, with no spring practice, with no summer workouts, I mean, the accountability burden fell on the players this year to make sure that they are ready to go. 
And you hear stories from championship winning teams of guys staying overnight watching extra film or practicing for hours after the team is done with practice. Like that's the type of stuff you need from everybody. You need that full 100% buy-in from everybody on your team to win conference and national championships. And look, it's clear just the eye test that not everybody's bought in for Texas, right? But Sam Ellinger bringing that to the forefront and actually publicly calling it out, which is the first time I think we've heard anything like that from Sam Ellinger in his four-year run at Texas, is pretty eye-opening right there. And I am curious how this team responds, right? I mean, this could be a turning point type of moment for, for Texas this year. And maybe guys aren't happy with Sam Ellinger. Maybe they are pissed with what he said. Uh, so that, you know, that could lead to some sort of divide amongst this locker room. I mean, it, this game is, I mean, it's big for his legacy. You know, I mean, he's definitely been the best quarterback they've had since Colt McCoy, but one and four doesn't lie. You know, one and four with four different losses to four different OU quarterbacks kind of tells the story. A lot of your legacy at both OU and Texas as a quarterback is, well, how many times did you win in the Cotton Bowl? And if he goes one and four in that stretch, then yeah. it won't, tell all of his legacy, but it'll definitely have a big part of that. So, yeah, I, I think that Ellinger's playing for his legacy. I think Tom Her- Tom Herman, this week isn't coaching for his job, but his job security is going to be determined on, you know, how he does or how his team does this week, man. It's crazy to think about getting rid of Tom Herman already, right? And especially with the pandemic and the economic situation at the University of Texas and really the economic situation everywhere, uh, a $25 million buyout seems yeah. very lofty and seems like there's no chance that would be paid, but there, there's some scuttlebutt behind the scenes talking like, no nah, man, there's, there's people who would find a way to raise that money if necessary. I don't know what necessary means, right? I don't know what that would take for it to be necessary is probably a better way to word that thing. But yeah, I mean, Tom Herman might be coaching for his job the rest of the way. I didn't is think Red, is Red McCombs still alive before I make a joke. Uh, Red McCombs is yes. Okay. Well, maybe he can start like an OnlyFans or something like that to help raise money to for the $25 million. Surely he could get a lot of people on his OnlyFans account, right? That would be something, dude. That would be something. I don't think anybody wants to see old Red McCombs on OnlyFans. <laughs> Unbelievable. But yeah, no, it's. It's, it's a crazy conversation to be had. And, and I said going before the season, like, I mean, normal season, right? If we were playing 12 games this year, I would say even if it was six and six or seven and five, look, Tom Herman's going to be back for a year five. Now you throw in the pandemic. I thought, man, there's pretty much no chance unless the Longhorns go like two and eight or something ridiculous like that, which I guess is technically still on the table, right? They're two and one right now. But unless they go something that egregiously bad, then there's no chance that anything happens to Tom Herman. I still would say even if they lose this weekend and even if they don't win the Big 12 title this year, that it's way more likely than not that Tom Herman is back in Austin for another season. But, man, I mean, you're starting to hear some rumors once again. And, of course, there's a a very big name on the coaching market right now. Obviously, uh, that that really hurts the moral compass, right, having to even discuss whether or not uh, that Urban Meyer cat could be the next guy at the University of Texas. But – he has a propensity of retiring and then, oh, when another big-time blue blood job opens up, I'm going to go ahead and take that. Uh, there would be some Longhorn boosters. I don't think Chris Del Conte would want to do this, but there would be some boosters, the big money guys, who uh, would maybe be on board, maybe be on board with, uh, with making a phone call at least to Urban Meyer. Yeah, I think that he's petty enough 
to after everything that happened with Tom Herman and Zach Smith, he's petty enough to go to Texas for like three to four years and turn that thing around just as a middle finger to Tom Herman. Well, oh, well, yeah, he would love that. He would absolutely love that. And he had some comments, some pretty harsh comments, albeit accurate, about the state of the Texas football yeah. program after their loss last Saturday against TCU. And it felt like direct shots at Tom Herman. And look, the shots are right. He was talking about evaluation. He was talking about player development. And that's been an issue for the Longhorns. Hell, those issues expand or extend way beyond the Tom Herman era. But there's still problems in the Tom Herman era. So Urban made those comments. And a lot of people were like, ah, there's a shot at Tom Herman. And there's maybe a, an interview answer, right? A, a ploy to try to get that job in Austin if it were to open up. All right, let's talk a little bit about Oklahoma. They're a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I'll be honest with you, I don't understand that. Maybe they know that Buki Radley-Hiles isn't going to play in this game on Saturday, and that's a two-and-a-half-point swing in favor of Oklahoma. <laughs> but you think Texas is a bad tackling team, and I watched the Tech game that they are. Um, Oklahoma, man, equally as bad defensively. They, they are just a – they're a bad tackling unit. They are one that cannot force any turnovers at all. I just – I don't really know what they do well defensively in this game. And it'll help if they get Ronnie Perkins back, but Sam Ellinger should have a field day against this OU defense on Saturday. He should. Yeah. I mean, the total in this game is 72 and a half right now. And I'm not sure either defense can stop either offense. And I know both offenses have their issues, but I feel like they pale in comparison to what's going on on the defensive side of the football for both of these teams right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're dead on getting Ronnie Perkins back. If they do get him back is huge, but you talked about the tackling. I think there are 74 teams playing college football right now, Tyler. Mm -hmm. And I saw this stat, it's pro football focus. They were ranking, uh, the team tackling in college football. And right now, Texas ranks as the 72nd best tackling team in college football. Oklahoma ranks as the 73rd best tackling team in college football. So expect a lot of missed tackles in this game on Saturday. That's been a huge problem for both of these teams. And, uh, you know, I don't think either side has the same weapons that they've had in the past in terms of offensive weapons, skill position players. But, man, with the way these defenses have been tackling, I'd expect some big explosive plays in this game. Oh, I mean, I don't have any doubt it's going to be a shootout, right? And I'm kind of right now, I don't know, 41, 38, 42, 38, 45, 42. I think that this is going to mirror a lot like the 2018 game. The only difference is, you know, Texas got up by like three scores in that game. I don't think that either team is good enough right now to get up on three scores on the other, but I think it's going to be that type of shootout that lasts late into the fourth quarter. And I just, I don't have confidence in this OU offense at this point going in down and putting together a big drive to win a game. I, I sure as hell don't have any confidence about the OU defense coming up with the big stop late to win a football game. So I, I'm just kind of at a point now where I'm like, I, I'm trying to find realistic ways where OU wins this game. And really the only spot where I'm at is just Spencer Rattler has by far and away the best game of his career and just just shreds the OU or sh- shreds the Texas defense. He, oh, he has awesome. to be a star. Are you leaning Texas right now? Yeah, I mean, oh, dude, I've been leaning Texas all week. Yeah, how about that. I need to tune yeah. into your show a little bit more then. But uh, yeah, I mean that's that's shocking, right? Because I feel like every year Texas and OU have played as long as I've known you, you've been leaning Oklahoma, and rightfully so. I mean, yeah. Oklahoma is usually way bigger than a two to two and a half point favorite, like they are going into Saturday. And hell, usually Oklahoma's a top ten team, and this year, of course, they're not even in the top twenty five. So a little bit different uh, scenario for the Sooners this year. 
but yeah, man, I mean, I, I'm generally as pessimistic as it gets, especially with this football game. I think I picked Oklahoma to win in like each of the last 10 years. Uh, but I'm, I'm also leaning Texas in this football game and it's weird. I'm not confident in the Longhorns at all. I just think they have fewer problems than Oklahoma does. And I just trust Sam Ellinger to go out and make a big play down the stretch in this football game. than I do the unproven commodity of Spencer Rattler, but man, this thing could really go either way. And I mean, for Oklahoma, you might be right. It might take a good, strong performance by Spencer Rattler to find a win this weekend. Uh, curious what the OU offensive line looks like. I mean, we talked about surprising aspects to the Oklahoma one and two start. I think number one for me is the offensive line play. Oh yeah, man. Because you know, they've had issues with the defense in the past and maybe they've had some issues finding a skill position, go-to guy in the past, although not that often. But one thing you can always seemingly count on with Oklahoma is Bill Beatonball to get that offensive line rolling. And this year they are getting worked. I mean, you brought up the stat on Monday. I think it's been five straight games in which Oklahoma has failed to average four yards a carry. And that includes the Missouri State win, right? It's like if you can't run the football against FCS Missouri State, then how the hell are you going to run the football against some of the better defenses, some of the real teams you have on your schedule? So they're not getting a push for the run game. And, yeah, I mean, a lot of Spencer Rattler's mistakes, and he's made some mistakes, it's been because pressure's been right in his face. And that's shocking, right? I mean, Oklahoma's got, what, four redshirt juniors and a redshirt senior on that offensive line. Oh, they played a lot of football, man. A lot of football. They were really, really good last year, too. It's not like those guys sucked and you were expecting them to take a huge step and all of a sudden be good. Those guys were great last year. And it sort of feels like that's a problem with college football. Like offensive line play, I think, has been down because communication is such a big part of that unit, right? They play more as a team, more as a unit than any other position group on the football field. But considering all the experience the OU guys have together, you would think that wouldn't be that much of a problem because they've done this for years and they're not trying to bring in any new pieces. So, yeah, to me, that is absolutely shocking. And and you look at the strength on the Texas defense, I think it is that defensive line. So on paper, it's weird because you just figure OU offensive line is always going to have an advantage over anybody they play. But on paper, that might be Texas's biggest advantage. And if the defensive line can do what Iowa State did and hell, what Kansas State did for large parts of the game a couple of weeks ago, then the Longhorns have a chance to uh, to keep to keep Oklahoma thirty five or less, which feels like a miracle against this Lincoln Riley offense. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's one of my big giant concerns for OU in this game is they're going to have to run the ball, and I, I think that this is going to be a close game late in the fourth quarter. We've seen OU win close games in the fourth quarter against Texas, but they always had the ability to run the football when they needed to late, especially with this really good offensive line. And I just, it, it just feels to me like Spencer Rattler is going to have to play mistake-free football, but as many times as he's going to throw, have to throw the football on Saturday, I don't see any scenario where he doesn't commit at least one turnover, you know? So OU is not going to be able to lean on that running game late, I don't think, to win this football game, and that's pr- pretty problematic. I mean, essentially, OU is leaning on a redshirt freshman with average wide receiver play to try to win this game. That's, that's what it seems like to me that that's dude that's not a recipe for success and I know that yeah Texas offense they had the problems of their own but they got three pretty solid running backs I like the left side of Texas's offensive line the right side not so great mm-hmm. but at least Texas has some pieces on the offensive line that they feel good about right now so running the ball and turnovers I give a big edge to Texas and both of those and I'm, I'm just trying to figure out where OU has a just big time edge in this game that they can expose Texas at. Well, that's it right there, right? We talked about it earlier and it sounds like captain obvious stuff, but in this game in particular, being able to run the football and winning the turnover battle 
has been huge. If you're able to do both of those things, the last uh, the last 13 times either team has been able to win the rushing battle and win the turnover battle. They're 13 and 0. So once again, it seems like Captain Obvious stuff, but it has really led to uh, success in this matchup. And yeah, you feel like Texas once again, despite the fact that the Longhorns are one and three against Oklahoma in the Tom Herman era, only one total turnover. Sam Ellinger usually smart with the football. Uh, feels like you give the edge to Texas in that category. And then rushing yards, man, I don't feel that confident about Texas's ability to run the football. I really don't. I mean, their offensive line has been okay. It's been better than Oklahoma's, but it hasn't really been that dominant. And I don't know if there's a whole lot of faith in Tom Herman and Mike Yersich, the offensive coordinator, in this team's ability to run the football. I mean, they only had, I think, 16 running back runs last week against TCU, which was a week after TCU gave up eight yards of carry to Iowa State. Like, on paper, it felt like, okay, that's what you do. That's how you beat TCU. You run the football against them. You're going to have success. Texas didn't try it a whole lot. And it's not like they were having great success through the air. Sam Ellinger's completion percentage was less than 50%. And hell, it was in the 30s for the majority of that game against TCU on Saturday. So Texas hasn't been as effective running the football as uh, I think they would like to be. On paper, it feels like that should be an advantage for the Longhorns. And God, OU's defensive front has been really, really bad too. I mean, you've got, when you go three down front, which is what Oklahoma does, Look, you can be really effective. Look at Iowa State, what they did against OU last Saturday, right? If you've got some dudes up there, if you've got Jaquan Bailey up there, then you can play with three down linemen and wreak some havoc in the backfield. Uh, Oklahoma doesn't have that. And and Ronnie Perkins, if they get him back, which it seems like he will play on Saturday, he can be that guy. Is there going to be any rust because this is his first game of the year? Who knows? But yeah, that's uh, that's been a huge problem for Oklahoma is their defensive front. They don't have those Neville Gallimore type players uh, that they've had in years past that just really make an impact uh, and, and can get pressure both against the run and also against the passer as well. Yeah, so fascinating game on Saturday. It's a crossroads for either team. If OU loses, it's, wow, we really have to look in the mirror at our program and change some things um, because things are really bad. For Texas, it's let's possibly start looking at a new head coach. Like nationally, yeah. this game – does not have the relevance or importance that it's had in, in past years. But maybe you can make an argument that locally for these two programs, it's it matters more this year than it has in a long, long time just because it affects the future so much. You feel that way about Oklahoma? Like there's a huge part of me that just thinks this is an abnormality for OU, right? Of, of course, the fact that they could have three losses on October 10th is is abnormal. There's no doubt. But it's not just that. It's like – Maybe we should have seen this coming. And we've talked about this, of course, on this podcast. We talked about it before the year. But I think you and I both thought Oklahoma would just do Oklahoma things once uh, once kickoff started and, and they started playing these games. But with the opt-outs and the suspensions and the abnormal number of injuries, and hell, Lincoln Riley, it felt like he was kind of hinting to us that, hey, maybe his team's not good. And like Lincoln Riley was saying, I don't really know if we should be playing football this year. Maybe that was a hint of, hey, my team's just not that good this year, and I don't feel confident that everybody's really bought Maybe. in with this team. Like, I think for Oklahoma, it could just be a COVID-related throw this year in the trash, everything's going to be fine next year type of situation. Uh, that might not be the conversations going on, and when you're in the moment, you you probably don't talk or think like that. But you know, for me, from a Texas side, yeah, you're right. You're talking about a new head coach because this is not a one-time deal that's happening in Oak like it is in Oklahoma. This is four years of this. But for OU, like, there's a big part of me that's just like, okay, you never want to throw a year away. 
especially when you've been so close to, to making it to the title game and you feel like you had a shot to get there again. Uh, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel like you might be able to chalk this one up to all the other extracurricular stuff going on in the world right now. Maybe the, the feeling going on here though is cool. You've won the big 12, five consecutive years. This isn't a good league, but when you've went outside the conference, you've gotten exposed and you've gotten exposed big time. LSU could have scored a hundred on you last year if they wanted to. Alabama was up 28, nothing like that before the game yeah. started. And we, and we saw what happened against Georgia. So it's just, if you're okay with winning the big 12 every single year and getting embarrassed in the playoffs, then yeah, nothing needs to change. Everything's fine and everything's grand. But if you're tired of getting embarrassed every single new year's day in a college football playoff game, something's got to change. And just fundamentally, they are just not fundamentally where they need to be for a team to get over the hump. I mean, everybody jokes around here, Texas Tech North. Oh, the Crimson Red Raiders, right? I mean, but it really does look like OU is just a better version of Texas Tech. It, it really is starting to feel that way. They're terrible on special teams. They're bad on defense. They can't tackle, and they're just going to try to lean on outscoring you. And that's just not – it's not conducive to winning a national championship. I know LSU outscored a whole lot of people last year, but they still had some dudes on on defense. It's just – I don't know, man. And maybe it is an overreaction. It's just OU does need to do some self-evaluation regardless of how the rest of this year goes. Yeah. They're, just, they're just not they're not tough enough as a football team right now. Uh, yeah, that's fair. And the whole Alex Grinch thing, right? I mean, I don't think he's going to lose his job after this year. No, he won't. That seemed really good, right? A great year one, a nice turnaround from the 18 defense to the 19 defense, but still not getting the takeaways, the lack of physicality that you talked about, the missed tackles. It's like – well, is he just next in line of uh, of our recent defensive coordinator problems? Or is he actually the guy who's going to be able to make this more than an offensive football team? But you mentioned it on Monday, I think. Look, ultimately, that falls on Lincoln Riley, right? He's the head coach. And that's what uh, ultimately led to the dismissal of Cliff Kingsbury at Texas Tech to go with your Crimson Red Raiders type of thing. So, yeah, at some point, that's going to fall on Lincoln Riley to, to make sure that defense gets turned around. Uh, by the way, I, I think a guy that could be out if this continues to go really bad, and I, and I think it's an issue at OU. Like when OU was rolling in the early 2000s, they had Jerry Schmidt, who was the strength and conditioning coordinator. Like he was judge, jury, and executioner of that program. It's why they were so great. He's at AM now. They got Benny Wiley here for the past few years, who got fired at Texas. Yeah. Do you remember anything about Benny Wiley when he was at UT? Man, I, there's so many stories about Benny Wiley that other people have told me. I'm the wrong guy to ask because I was uh, I wasn't really in Austin doing this job when uh, when he was at UT. But uh, yeah, I mean the fact that he lost his job here, maybe that's a demerit on on what was going on with him. Maybe he's not the right answer at Oklahoma. So I wish I had some better stories uh, for him to tell you for the people out there too. I know he was hired in I think 2011 and was here for a few years, but not. Uh, not as much. I don't know. You got something or is it just what you're noticing? Well, on I, it, I just like his whole thing was like, I do workouts with the players. I do workouts with the players. Well, if you do multiple workouts a day with the players, I don't care how good of shape you're in. That tells me they're not very damn hard or at least they're not hard enough. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. You shouldn't be able to do these workouts in your forties uh, or fifties uh, that, that uh, these yeah, multiple times per day. kids are doing. Yeah. There could be something to that. There could be something to that for sure. Uh, uh, a a AJ got a comment here that we can get uh, to. Do you think the next TV deal will shake up the Big 12? Ooh. Um, well, when the grant of rights is up, I think the Big 12 is going to be shaken up. 
teams now are going to be moving towards where the money is. I, I don't know what the rumors with Texas are at this point, but I, I think OU to the Big Ten is still very, very real here in a few years. Man, really- I, 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 there's so much other stuff going on in the world and around this program right now that we haven't talked about it in a while. But, yeah, I mean, I think at some point the next TV rights deal, what is it, after 2024 – We'll, uh, we'll shake up this conference and we'll have yeah. more realignment going on in the sport. And who knows what's going to happen, right? I mean, obviously, you've got Texas and Oklahoma as your two hot commodities. And if the Big 12 does disband, you know, everybody's going to want to reach out to those two teams. I mean, really, and I hate this. I hate turning this into a full Texas versus Oklahoma or Texas and Oklahoma show. I know it's Red River shootout, but we'll get to some of the other games here in a second. But if you're talking about, like, money-making super high interest properties that the conference has it's Texas it's Oklahoma and it's Kansas basketball. Yeah. yeah like that's really it. So it's going to be sort of a, a crap shoot and sort of a scramble. If the big 12 breaks up, if Texas and Oklahoma decide, Hey, we don't want to do this song and dance anymore. Then it's going to be real interesting to see what happens to, uh, to the other teams in this league. So I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic that the Big 12 stays together, although I'm not sure that's the best thing for some of the big programs in this league. Uh, But, uh, yeah, something's going to happen when these TV rights deals go up. There's no doubt about it. I mean, something happened the last time these TV rights deals went up. Obviously, the Big 12 changed, and A&M and Mizzou and Nebraska and Colorado all left, and you bring in TCU and West Virginia. So even if it's something like that, then we might – uh, we'll, we'll still probably have something go on. Excuse me. Yeah, only a few more minutes remaining. So four teams are on a bye this week. So we need to get to the other two games. Texas Tech at Iowa State. Iowa State a 12-and-a-half point favorite in this game. I expect Iowa State to roll. I'm starting to think that they're a pretty good team after their opening loss to Louisiana. But this would be so Iowa State if they turn around and lose to Tech after a big win over Oklahoma. Yeah, of course, Alan Bowman is hurt again, uh, which sucks. sucks. And I hate that for the kid. I'll give credit to Columbia. He played pretty well last week uh, in Manhattan and gave Texas Tech a little bit of a fighting chance uh, up against K-State. But yeah, if Bowman's out. It's it's hard for me to see Iowa State losing this football game against Texas Tech this weekend. And hey, they're through September. That's been the problem month for Iowa State. Yeah. So. They, uh, they got through that. They had their slip up, but they're 2-0 and in conference play, and they got to feel like they've got a shot to, uh, to crash the conference championship party. They call it Brocktober up there in Ames. Uh, well, he's got to be better, dude. Really. Oh, I mean, dude, like, he should have thrown OU like four interceptions. I know. I know. They are almost winning in spite of that guy. I mean, he made one of the worst plays I've ever seen a quarterback make against TCU, right? That, worst he was ever. in the grasp of a defender and just chunked it back, ended up being a scoop and score, not a pick six. But yeah, he has not been the same Brock Purdy, yet Iowa State has two very, very impressive conference wins to show for it. So the rest of the squad has been picking him up, and maybe Brocktober will begin this weekend. Fascinating game in Fort Worth, Kansas State at TCU. TCU is an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Sounds like Skylar Thompson is okay, I, I I think. But, boy, if Kansas State wins this one, starts off 3-0, and they'll be looking real good for a Big 12 championship berth this year. Yeah, that's big that Skylar Thompson's playing, uh, or at least expected to play. Because um, I saw the opening Vegas line, it was around 10, 10 and a half and I'm like, all right, Vegas knows that Skylar Thompson isn't going, and it's going to be the Will Howard show for K-State in Fort Worth. But you're dead on. I mean, if K-State is able to find a win 
at TCU, then we've got to take them very, very seriously. And I think you and I are already big fran- fans of Chris Kleiman. Oh, yeah. I didn't think they him for the contract be- extension, by the way, the new deal. Yeah, I didn't think uh, I didn't think they'd be that good this year. Just so much turnover, five new offensive linemen. I figured it would take K State uh, another year or two to really compete uh, for the Big Twelve championship. But man, if they can find a win in Fort Worth, which I don't think they're going to do, I'm going to pick TCU to win this football Same. game. But if they do find a win, then yeah, we got to start taking uh, the Purple Cats very, very seriously. Yeah, I, I I like TCU a lot. Max Duggan is not turning the football over like he did last year. I really yeah. like the strides that he's made as a quarterback. So I, I think if, if I had to pick it right now, I'd say TCU-OSU is your Big 12 championship game. That's where I'm going. Yeah, you know, Iowa State has the tiebreaker over TCU, so that's something to watch the rest of the way. But if – and we talked about this on our show in Austin yesterday. If we were, like, power ranking the Big 12 right now, I think you have to put Oklahoma State number one. I did. Uh, but I, I had TCU ahead of Iowa State. And people will say, what, Iowa State went into Fort Worth and beat TCU? Well, I I think Max Duggan, if he plays all four quarters of that game, TCU beats Iowa State. And I know ifs and buts and candies and nuts, and if my aunt had nuts, she'd be my uncle and all the other cliches and expressions. Like uh, but, uh, like, for me, if we're power-ranking teams, obviously that doesn't mean a damn thing for the standings at the end of the year. But I feel like TCU is a better football team than Iowa State at this moment. So, yeah, right now it sort of feels like to me those are your two top teams in this league. Crazy. Um, I had OU at eight in my power poll oh, this week. Yeah, really? I mean, do I do I think that they're really the eighth best team in this conference? No, but they're zero and two in the league. And who can you put them in front of outside of uh, Texas Tech and Kansas at this point? Yeah, you're you're going too literal. I mean, I, I had OU six. I didn't have them that high, but I had them ahead of West Virginia and Baylor. Like, I, as bad as Oklahoma's looked, yeah. I think if they played either of those teams, they'd win by multiple scores, dude. I don't know. But I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't disagree. I don't disagree, but it's just like – it's yeah. just such a down feeling about this team right now that, hell, who knows. I'm just uh, glad they're not uh, to play Missouri State again, you know? Maybe they'd lose that one without bad <laughs> that, That's That's a little bit too far. But, uh, hey, one quick uh, recruiting thing before we get out of here. I haven't looked into this at all, but I've heard from a couple people like, well, yeah, Quinn Ewers, he's he's like leaning Clemson now. Is Is that – I mean, that's a massive deal if Texas doesn't land Quinn Ewers. Have you heard anything about him and Clemson here recently? Uh, I know Clemson's making a push, right? And, and hell, if you're a highly rated quarterback and Clemson's looking at you, you have to at least listen. You have to at least consider them with what they've done with their QBs in recent years. So, look, just because he's committed to Texas, you know other programs aren't going to stop recruiting Quinn Ewers. And I don't know if you saw this, but last night – one of Texas's top commits for the class of 2021 yeah. by the name of Billy Bowman decommitted from Texas. Now, by all accounts, Texas is still on the table. He's not closing the book on the Longhorns just yet, but you know, that's uh that's an indictment of the Tom Herman coaching staff. And I mean, there's a lot of indictments these days on the Tom Herman coaching staff, but losing one of your biggest targets from Denton Ryan, which is a school that Texas has recruited extremely well over the years. Uh, that would be a huge demerit against Tom Herman. So Maybe we already are starting to see some attrition on the recruiting trail. Obviously, Quinn Ewers is the uh, is the guy that you can't lose. I know he's twenty twenty two, but you know that that dude you feel like is the future of your program at the most important position in the sport. So uh, you got to do whatever you can to keep on to that dude. But man, if Texas keeps struggling, and maybe if there is a coaching change made at some point, then can't blame him for uh, for looking elsewhere. Or at least listening to other offers. Before we get out of here, I'm going to pick Texas forty two forty one. What about you? How about that? What are you going, Dicker the kicker again? Game winner? 
I can't. No, I can't do that. And that okay. smug look from the sidelines. Um, <laughs> God, the way o, the way OU special teams is going, they probably miss like a PAT to oh, lose the on. game. It, I yeah, Texas style. Kick, but that guy's legit, man. That guy is legit. His name makes no sense, though. You can't start a last name with three consonants. Yeah, that's weird. That's garbage. It's going to uh, end like a, Texas Cal. It, that's how it's going to end. Oh, uh, come on, man. Yeah. Come on, there's no need for that, but I appreciate that jab. That's the beauty of this week in this game. I'm also going to go with Texas, man. I can't believe I'm doing this. I picked Texas to lose to TCU last week, so to show you that I'm not drinking the burnt orange Kool-Aid, uh, I'm going to go 34-31. I'm going to go a little lower scoring, though, right. than you've got, and I'm going to take the under in this game, even though these defenses suck. But uh, I'll pick the horns, the good guys, by three. All right, that'll do it for us. Oh, boy, what a weekend upcoming. What a crossroads for both programs. He's Brad Kellner. I'm Tyler McComas. We'll talk to you Monday on Twitch, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Chris Landry Football Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.